0: Greetings ladies and gentlemen welcome once more to The Honest Bicycle Program It is I Greg in Boston and this is Matteo from Philadelphia and from West Hampton It's empty space Aww. Oh Francis where are you We
1: miss you Frankie
0: Yeah we miss you Anyway we're we're swap we're, we're switching you guys out I guess <laughs> at the moment yeah. So.
1: Yeah. but I missed I missed our last sesh. And Francis is missing tonight. Uh, we really but
0: it's really cool. gotta get the three of us back on one podcast.
1: We gotta get the team back together. I feel like we had a good gang. We all had matching tattoos and a lot of complicated rules. And you know, I just think that like what's the if someone's just allowed to leave the gang without like sort of retribution, is it really a gang?
0: i don't know i don't know we'll have to consider what we want to do for (laughs) for retribution (laughs) you watch out francis (laughs) we'll track you down and record a podcast with you
1: it's cool listeners she's not actually like out of the
0: gang yeah or the podcast to be clear (laughs) this is a temporary is a one-week thing
1: Very busy. Everyone's very busy.
0: It's weird. August is supposed to be a slow month, but everyone seems to be (laughs) very busy. (laughs) August is not a slow month, sir. (laughs) It is for news. Not
1: for me. It is for news, but not for me. Apparently, psychologists all used to take August off. Hmm. Hmm. I read half of an article in the New York Times. I think it was in the New York Times. I'm not even sure if it was in the New York Times. Tell you what, I'm going to skip this anecdote and I'm going to jump right into something else.
0: All right, what are you going to jump into?
1: Uh, I think you may have seen on the internet that I completed a project that has taken me a while to do.
0: Yeah, and I want yeah. to tell
1: our listeners about this.
0: Yeah, please, please, um, this is really cool.
1: Yesterday, I got in the mail some leg, and they were the last piece that I needed to complete.
0: They were were like were they were like. Like human legs, the insect legs, legs <laughs> table legs. legs.
1: They were some table legs. We said that at the same time. That was nice. <laughs>
0: um, well, that's what you know. we we that's what we deliver on is timing and um, <laughs> quality. Quality podcast production. Quality
1: podcast production and programming. Direct yeah. to your ears. This is the Honest Bicycle Program, and that's what we do.
0: It's true. All right, coming, go on.
1: And we're coming at you on the Wide Angle Podium Network.
0: Yeah, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Um, I think after you tell your table story, uh, I want to just tell them a little bit about the Wide Angle Podium Network.
1: Sounds good. So as many of our listeners will know, I am an aficionado of track racing. And up until uh, about six weeks ago, I was very fortunate to spend much of my racing career racing at the National Sports Center Velodrome in Blaine, Minnesota. And the National Sports Center Velodrome is an absolutely beautiful velodrome. It's just a field of built by the sherman architects where it's like these three generations of track builders that's what they do they build velodromes they build the best ones in the world um and it is not arguable it's it's them they do the best ones
0: oh wow okay yeah so did they build they build the one in rio i don't know if they built the one in. Rio. did they build the one in london i don't uh, you know i don't know their portfolio uh, <laughs> but, but you know they're the best
1: off the dome but i do know that they're best
0: That's interesting. That's interesting. They are the best. I've heard Leonardo da Vinci was the best, but I have not seen any of his work.
1: Honestly, it's like it's like probably they built those, but I don't know or designed. I should say, Um,
0: I don't know. I don't know all the details. I'm sorry. I'm I'm dragging you off track.
1: (laughs) Way the f off track. So uh, when I was doing some some volunteer repair work on the surface at some point last year, um. I start chatting with the track director, the legendary Bob William, who uh, we started talking about the uses of some old wood, and he starts telling me about some some stockpiles of old wood that he has, old surface wood, and the surface wood is is interesting and important because uh, originally the track was built with a surface of azalea wood, which is this rainforest hardwood, super hardy um, it's apparently like no longer legally harvested so when we need to replace boards at that track we do it with strips of oak Hmm. but so bob winds up gifting me a a handful of 20 inch segments that were like when we when we replace boards at that track usually it's um removal by destruction so it's it's not super common that intact pieces can be removed um And if if intact pieces can be removed, then they're usually very short pieces, like all of these were. You know, the the strips that make up the track surface are yards and yards and yards long. Um, And he gave me a bunch of just short pieces that were kind of left over and not really uh, anticipated to be useful in the future. Hmm. Took me a while to get around to it, but I worked with uh, a woodworker that I know, and I assembled all these strips of wood into a sort of butcher block planed it down and then had this tabletop sitting around for a while and then the legs finally came in the mail and i screwed them on and i have a really beautiful coffee table that is when it comes down to it a really special memento of my time living in minnesota racing at the national sports center velodrome Working at the National Sports Center Velodrome, trying to keep the thing open and operational, starting a team that was focused on racing at that track. It's all uh, I put a lot of I put a lot of love and sweat into that place, and now I have this table that's like old surface wood from it, and it's just so beautiful.
0: Yeah, that's really special. It's nice. It's practical, and it's a memento.
1: Yeah, it's right there in my living room, man.
0: Yeah, I'll tell you what. Sometime, uh, eventually, I'll I'll come down there, and I will have coffee off of your coffee table.
1: That sounds like a plan, Greg.
0: Yeah, yeah. Looking forward to that.
1: We got a guest room and everything.
0: <laughs> oh, oh, really? You've got a guest room? Yeah. <laughs> oh, <I'm... laughs> let me go pack my bags. <laughs> See beautiful Philadelphia. For the i I've not been sarcastic about that. That might have seemed like I was being sarcastic.
1: It, it's it's quite lovely
0: here. Philly's a lovely city. I've only been once for collegiate racing, actually. Yeah, did the Philadelphia Flyer. That was fun. That's another story for another time. There's not really much to tell about it. Raced bikes. It was cool. Okay. <laughs> so that's a cool story. Before we move on. Um, I wanted to tell you a little bit about the Wide Angle Podium and the donation drive. Now, the Wide Angle Podium Network is pretty much your one-stop shop for uh, fine cycling-related podcasts. And The Wide
1: Angle Podium Network, it- I'm going to interject here. It really is the finest cycling podcast that have ever existed in the world, collected in one place.
0: Yeah, I'd say that's, that's accurate. That's accurate. Uh, you know, not even being, not even joshing around. I mean, look, you've got the Slow Ride podcast, uh, which is a lot of fun. I I think we're all right. You've got us. There's uh Crosshairs Radio. Um, you've got the Meyerson line, um, consummate athlete, all kinds of things. And like I said, we're winding this down, but uh, Donor Drive is still going on for, I'd say about the rest of this week, this week being uh, ending on Friday, this Friday, September 2nd. So get over to com slash donate. Don't rely on everyone else to be the next person, right. To be the guy, uh, so that you can sit there, you know, you're the next person, right. If everyone sits there and thinks, well, someone else will help keep this network going, um, then nobody will. And we'd really like to make this, um, sustainable right we'd really make like to make this viable uh i think it's a really cool thing that we've got all these great podcasts under one roof as it were so so go do your part um wineanglepodium.com slash donate you're going to get a bonus uh water bottle uh, which you don't have to put water in i mean you could put other things in uh check check our most recent episode for suggestions from me and francis <laughs> on on what you can put in that water bottle um <laughs> And remember, you'll also get a raffle uh, giveaway, Gnar uh, Weasel's number plate from the famous Gnar uh, Weasel's uh, mountain bike race, So, uh, which which will then be drawn for a prize. So that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. I think okay. that's very awesome. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, be be part of the fun. And uh, I'll, I'll tell you a little bit later, too, uh, about our friends uh, at Ixnay because they're helping us out as well. But, uh, you know, really wanted to let you know about White Angle Podium. Um, they're really... Wide Angle Podium has really made our jobs here so much easier and has also connected us with new listeners, uh, potentially like you. Um, they're hosting the shows. It's just a, a great place. So um, let's make it work. You know, even if it's $5 a month, you know, even if it's $10 a month, um, you could also donate, you know, $50 a month, whatever you feel like you can do, but we'd... We'd love if you could help out. All right. So uh, I guess it's not newsworthy anymore, right? But as long as we're talking about track, you've got a couple things to tell us about. uh, Because as far as I'm concerned, you're our track correspondent. (laughs) That's (laughs) sort of what you're stuck with. I'm sorry. Yeah, Uh,
1: no, that's cool. I I spent a while of the Olympics watching the track thing. I'm curious if uh, some of our listeners did too. You know, the Olympics are always interesting. I, I think it's a once every couple of years opportunity for people to tune into sports that they just don't tune into otherwise right cuz it's exciting we
0: all know that this well, is well not only that they don't tune into but that you can't tune into you,
1: certainly that like that you can't tune into that's hard to tune into but then there's also like coverage of stuff that is not covered in like major media outlets in any other you know at other times. mhm um so I'm curious if, if to our you know to our listeners I'm curious if you all um you know watch or like made a point of trying to watch some of the track cycling when you don't normally watch track cycling and my interest you know in track cycling is just because I like track racing um, and the Olympics are the Olympics are cool they they're sort of like a they're a tough nut to crack because uh, I think one of the big stories going on is that uh, the team from Great Britain has made a point over the last several years a uh, bunch of years to have a really strong olympic focused track cycling team um and what that looks like in practice is like you know team usa you know has this women's team pursuit team super strong they're the reigning world champions and they came into the olympics you know not just medal hopefuls but gold medal hopefuls um and the uh british team uh set a new world record in the final ride, uh, to win the gold medal against the American team, and so you know a lot of a lot of teams are like, man, this is frustrating. We race against the British team, you know, throughout an Olympic cycle and at the World Cups and at the World Championships. They're like mortals, and then we get to the Olympics and like they're just they're just on a whole nother level. And to wit, you know, the men's and women's teams, uh, team pursuit teams, set world records like several times throughout the course of the competition. I think the men's team sprint team set world records. Um, I think that's part of the story is like, you know, in, in the same way that over on road cycling, people talk about guys' domination at the Port de France, in the same way that people, you know, in criteria of the United States talk about the UHC blue train, uh, the British, British cycling's sort of Olympic performance just winds up being uh, pretty... It's remarkable. Pretty remarkable.
0: And this specific, it is quite specific to the Olympics.
1: They, they've trained through. I mean, they're very good the
0: rest of the cycle, but but they dominated the Olympics. Yeah. And people will think people will be lulled into a sense of, oh, Oh, uh, we can beat them. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Bird cycling is having a rough time. There's some controversy. There's problems with people, uh, I don't know, not, not kind of gelling as part of the team or whatever. Uh but yeah, then the Olympics comes along and it's like, oh nope, still the best. Yeah. At the Olympics. So
1: Which, you know, and it should be said that that raises some people's eyebrows in that uh in that certain way that's like like experience. Uh huh. Which we don't really need to dive into because I don't think that it's like a particularly interesting conversation. I'm not trying to like gloss it over or whatever, I just don't know if yeah. we have anything to say about that.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, it's honestly, um, there's a pretty, there's a pretty simple explanation for what's going on with why the team is focused in this way on Olympic success. You know, they're funded by the, the lottery, yeah, and it's way more funding than anyone else except maybe Australia.
1: Oh, yeah, they've got, they've got a lot of money. I mean, you know, they, they have professional athletes whose job it is to... Just train as track cyclists the year round. Yeah, and which no
0: one, which no one else has. Coaches, no one else and can
1: bikes do bikes and R and D and performance science and all this science on all these little like miscellaneous odds and ends. You know the accumulation of marginal gain.
0: Yeah, and, and on top of that, this funding and and success. It's all it's all contingent upon Olympic success, which is which is rational in a public relations kind of way because, you know, good luck getting everyone else to tune in <laughs> at the World Cups. Like, okay. you know, they're, the the kind of national pride uh, is really focused on Olympic medals and, and medal count. So that's that's what that's about. Anyway, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what else there's to say about it. Um, do you want to give us a quick... And I I do mean quick, because we probably shouldn't spend too much time on this, because there's a lot to get through, I think, in this episode. But mm-hmm. uh, I, I guess a capsule of the things at the track that caught your attention, I'll have to confess, the only thing I watched was the uh, Women's Team Pursuit gold medal race. Uh, I just, I just, it was too difficult, thanks NBC, <laughs> to, uh, to see anything else, because I don't have cable, so I can't even do the online thing, and... You know, otherwise I, you know, it was like I had to go on the BBC or whatever using a VPN to. It was, it was ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. So the so, the, yeah. the
1: women's team pursuit tournament was was super exciting. Um, I, I don't remember the specifics, but like like world records were set periodically, like throughout the tournament, including by Team USA, and then you know, sort of reset by Great Britain, and the times just got faster throughout the tournament. So. From an American perspective, you know, a little bit of Olympic nationalism going on. It was really awesome to see the fact that a highly touted team from the United States uh, was able to ride such ridiculously blistering fast times and just perform so well. I mean, this team has been talked about for a couple of years now. Everybody saw the pictures of their crazy bikes with the left hand drive, you know, <laughs> um, they're a reigning world champions. I think we all wanted to see that they could uh, live up to the hype. Um, And I would say they absolutely did. And I would say that, you know, they're they're not winning the gold medal is absolutely not a failure in any capacity.
0: No, I mean, I mean, we're talking about, (laughs) they have not even a tenth of the funding that the British do.
1: Yeah, I don't even want to like, yeah. Maybe it's, it's not, not. Maybe it's a tenth. But mm-hmm. like, like who knows, it's but it's just certainly not.
0: Such a small mm-hmm. small proportion. So I would I would, encar- I would encourage listeners and... to,
1: to watch some of the, the replays of that. And and the final was super exciting. You know, they're going out, they're setting splits that are just ridiculously fast and you know, it came down to the wire. And then the other thing that I thought was really interesting was the men's omnium. So for people who don't know, the Omnium is a six race competition. Uh in this order, um, it's the scratch race, four-kilometer pursuit, an elimination, uh, a one-kilometer time trial, a flying lap time trial, and then a points race. And so um, in in the first five races, the athletes are earning points for finishing highly. And then in the final race, the points race, which is a 40-kilometer uh, points race prints every ten laps, and uh, the first through fourth positions in the print get five three, two, and one points, and you get twenty points for um, lapping the field. These points accumulate on top of your total for all the points that you 've earned in the previous races um, and this is a little bit of like a reconfigured uh, style of omnium mm-hmm. that uh, that has been run in the past few years. Um, and it's really exciting because it means that, like, people have been earning points all throughout this Omnium. And then, like, the points race is the finale. It's, like, they're earning points that are affecting their overall placing. It's super cool.
0: You almost still get to have an Olympics points race. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, you do. And um, it matters.
1: It, it totally matters. Like, the, the places are are changing in real time on the track in the race. Um. But what was really interesting was to rewind and go back and watch the elimination race which is the the third of the six races almost like knowing the result and just see like where some of the some of the real like metal threat like went out early or you know lost opportunities to score more points there because i really feel that that may have like Shaken up the standings almost more than the points race did. This was a super deep field, by the way. Um, You know, some big names. Like, I would say anybody in the top seven was like a legitimate gold medal threat, which is crazy. Hmm. Um, So to go back and and watch the elimination, which is just a super exciting race. You know, every two laps, someone's getting pulled out of the race from behind. that, that for me, I didn't get a chance to watch a lot of the Omnium, but I really enjoyed watching the Elimination, knowing the result.
0: Yeah, that was, that was I mean, gosh, Cavendish went out surprisingly early. Um, there was some some interesting outcomes, from what I understand. Like, yeah, I, I still haven't seen it, but yeah, it was and, it was and, surprising.
1: Yeah, and specifically, Lassie Norman Hansen, who's the defending gold medalist in the Omnium, went out like first, so earned the bare minimum of points he could have earned, uh, and wound up finishing, you know, the Omnium fifteen points behind Viviani. So you you know, you, what I remember from watching the elimination is like it's down to like five riders, and Viviani's there racing against a bunch of people who are like not really metal threats right and he just must be thinking like this is a great this is a good position to be in
0: <laughs> yeah yeah that's always nice
1: yeah so it, it almost felt like that elimination was uh surprisingly one of one of the really decisive moments of the opnium
0: yeah anywho
1: i encourage people to you know to watch the omnium it's um i think it's a, a much more watchable event than it has been in the past you can you know like you can start from the points race uh, or you can you can only tune in at the points race you can see the standings of where people are at and just see people accruing points and watching that change the leaderboard
0: yeah it, re- it really seems like it's become a really interesting event there was a lot of um there was a lot of outrage when the track program was changed after Beijing.
1: Right, basically the the only endurance events um, on the Olympic schedule became the team pursuit and the omnium, um, yeah. abandoning the Madison, the point you know the the individual mass start events, which are you know really really classic disciplines, and it's it's too bad that they're not there anymore. But they were ditched so that the sport could achieve medal parity between the men and women, and mm-hmm. I'm okay with that sacrifice, from,
0: yeah, me from too. the
1: men's side of things.
0: i mean i you know it's easy for me to say me too, because I just don't have a lot of investment in in the track program, you know um but it, it's also true that for the Olympics, honestly, you really need to have the most telegenic events possible and that's not to say the madison is not telegenic but it is certainly confusing things like you know the the madison is confusing and the uh points race is really long and and um, yeah it 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 makes makes some sense
1: i think like it requires you know good graphics and good announcers is for and and you know good camera work to make sense of what's
0: going on. Right, right. And for you know I mean we can complain all we want about the era of TV friendly uh, events, but I mean that's really what choice is there, you know. It's there's there's a lot. There's <laughs> there's only so much attention out there and there's a lot of availability of other things <laughs> to fill it. Yeah. Like, like, there's more, there are more, uh, uh, there's more opportunities to watch human beings doing various things, right, at, at any point than there has been in the entire history of mankind. So, better make it snappy. The bar is high. The bar is pretty high, yeah. I I, I think that, you know, what we have is a lot, a lot more interesting to watch than uh, rhythmic gymnastics, so I think we're doing pretty good. You could really tell... <laughs> sorry, Rhythmic Gymnastics fans. Uh, you could really tell on Sunday afternoon when the NBC was just really scraping the bottom of the barrel <laughs> <laughs> for things to show. Though it was like, why aren't you showing the women's mountain bike race, guys?
1: Oh, see, I haven't even watched that yet. Was It, it was good?
0: That's oh, what I hear. Mm-hmm. But instead they were showing like the team final for the rhythmic gymnastics and i was just like what on earth is this and the rhythmic
1: gymnastics is the one that's particularly dancey and less like whippy
0: it's it's yeah it's it's kind of dancey and and you use these uh like rods and balls and and whatever rather than bounce beam whatever i mean like you know it's very hard it's clearly very hard but it's more dancey um, so yeah it's like uh, rhythmic gymnastics is to artistic gymnastics as ice dancing is to figure skating only more so <laughs> like way more so <laughs> alright anyway that's a, <laughs> this has uh, been Greg Guides You <laughs> in figure skating and gymnastics covered. So,
1: so as I've been you know talking a lot about my love which is the track racing you've got your own bicycle love
0: on the horizon don't you i do i do crosses hashtag crosses here i can't believe it actually i'm not ready why not uh i mean i am i guess i as ready as i can possibly be
1: emotionally or physically
0: uh yes i'm really excited <laughs> but but man it, i raced i don't know i, I really um pushed myself pretty hard all year and had kind of a, a disappointing road season it was fru- well frustrating anyway frustrating um and so then it was like oh august is here it's time to train really hard for cross and that was that was hard to do yeah that was hard to do but last year i didn't feel all that prepared either and i had a decent season so <laughs> But yeah, I, it's um it's crazy. I'm doing my next race uh this coming weekend. My first race, I mean, this coming weekend and then it's like a race every weekend until I until the end of September.
1: That's a really intense start to the season.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, my season's going to be a little weird because um I'm basically not racing in October. Mhm. Like there there might be one thing I do. So me and um me and my sweetie, we are on October second, we're we're packing our bags and we're flying off to Europe. We're taking a trip for two weeks. So obviously not racing in that time frame. And in thinking about that, well, I also decided, okay, uh I am planning to extend my season into early January because I'll be doing masters nationals. I can't believe I just said that. But it's baby masters. So it's barely <laughs> it's barely masters. <laughs> it's the 30 to 34 race. The youngest and most spry of the masters. Yeah, yeah. So um you know, I, basically I felt okay, it makes the most sense for me to come back and instead of immediately jump back into racing and make myself very very tired to actually uh, take some time and especially since i'll you know i'm gonna lose some fitness and some zip uh while i'm in europe only a little <laughs> bit two drinking weeks, two weeks i know fine. oh no it'll, it'll be fine but you know i i will be eating frites and drinking wine <laughs> and drinking uh, trappist beers so uh you know <laughs> it's not it's not ideal in training terms um <laughs> so I'm going to spend the rest of October once we get back actually training and instead of just because if you just race the whole time like you can't really race twice a weekend um and also get fitter during cross season. It's hard. You right? know what I mean? Cuz it just it just wears your body down. Yeah. So, uh and you know, hopefully I don't know. Anyway, yeah, it's coming up. It's coming up soon, and I'm trying to get ready. I, I guess. Like, I have. I've spent. Maybe we could talk about this. I've spent a prodigious amount of money on equipment this year. It's just like I keep needing things. Somehow. You've, you've
1: had you've had terrible luck with things breaking that have just required you to buy new stuff.
0: Yeah. Um, oh well, part of that was on the road. <laughs> it's just the last it was like i thought i was going to make it out of the gear of of greg breaking things
1: did you make it and out then,
0: well i i mean i'm alive <laughs> i didn't i didn't break me which is kind of the most important thing but in july i i cracked my road frame that i've had for 5 years um that was unfortunate <laughs> yeah So I'm working on, uh, I have a replacement for that. We're, you know, I'm working on that. It's going to be, going to be good. It's going to be fine. But that was, you know, more money I didn't mean to spend. And I, you know, I got that pit bike and I have a couple sets of, uh, tubular wheels and I I wasn't going to buy, I bought mud tubulars, which I was very excited about. Ah,
1: which ones did you get?
0: Uh, specialized Terra. It's, yeah i i liked the tubeless version so much that i was like i want the tubular version of this this is great so i've got those and i wasn't going to buy um dry tubulars because i had uh, an mxp from last season that was still okay even though i destroyed like three mxp <laughs> tires last season not cheap not cheap. Uh, these are Clement tubulars. I yeah. I don't think I'm gonna buy Clement tubulars anymore. I have not been impressed with their durability. And I also had the the second set of tubulars I bought for the mud tires. The wheels. They actually had tires with them. One that was kind of well. They were both m- more or less unused. I I was like oh awesome. So I'll just put. You know, the MXP, the Clement MXP on the front wheel, and I'll put this uh, Vittoria XG whatever on the back wheel. Basically, it's a Griffo. And I was like, that'll be fine. Uh, you know, I don't I don't need, like, the most modern tire design ever on the back wheel. But then I was looking at these tires as, as, as I was getting ready to um, put them on to stretch them out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and on the side were written the numerals 34. And that's not going to fly, man. No, no, because because here in New England, um, if you want to race, if you want to race an elite, a category two, basically race at the big race weekends at Cycle Smart International and at uh, MBX. um, There is other there's going to
1: be a person wearing khakis and a blue shirt with a thing.
0: Yeah, with a with a caliper or whatever, and they're not going to let you use that fat thirty four millimeter tire in those races, and it's it's absurd because it's it's something like um, three races <laughs> I wouldn't have legal tires for, but hey, you know, I'm not going to like glue on different tires for that, and I'm, I'm not going to not ride tubulars in a UCI race. It's like it's gonna be everything I can do to just finish these things on the lead lap. So if I can. Like I I'm I'm not even assuming I'm gonna be able to do that.
1: Yeah, I, I would say that like the the challenge there is to survive as long as you can. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then if you get
0: lapped, you get lapped. <laughs> I mean if you if you get lapped, they're pretty aggressive about the eighty percent rule here. Good. So you know. Yeah, I should say if you get pulled, you get pulled. Yeah, if you get pulled, you get pulled. Well, luckily, uh, it, actually, if I ever told you, I'm not sure I have. It might be worth as we come to the close here. Have I told you about my first cycle cross race ever? I don't think so.
1: Wrap <laughs> at me, bro.
0: Sure. Well, it was. I was in Tennessee. It was. Uh, it was October 2010. Uh, I'd wanted. I'd been wanting to race cross for a couple years because I'd, I'd headed over to the uh, CycleSmart International in 2008 when I was still living in, I want to say, Sunderland, Massachusetts. Basically, the Pioneer Valley Mass, western Massachusetts. Um, but I didn't get a chance to until I'm in Tennessee, and I have like this Nash Bar cyclocross frame. I've got bar end shifters on it. <laughs> uh, and crucially, this is the key part of that, that really pretty sad build was I had taken a triple crank that I'd had forever, like a 110-74 triple crank, and I had it set up as a double. Um, That might sound kind of not relevant, but I I promise you it is. (laughs) And I line up, and I'm pretty excited. So I line up for the Cat 4 race um, because there was no Cat 5 in cyclocross. In 2010
1: back in the day
0: back in the day six long years ago <laughs> uh it's and yeah yeah and yeah um and so they blow the whistle and we're off and i'm headed for the whole shot and and actually i'm like i don't know first or second into the whole shot like i am sprinting hard i'm like yeah woo, and i come to the whole shot it's a left turn. I immediately dump my bike, <laughs> like I try, I try turn left, and I slide out <laughs> very, very badly. <laughs> uh, which is fine, you know that happens. And I get up and I hop on my bike and I start pedaling and it's just like, wham, uh, and the cranks don't move. And I stop and I'm like, oh crap, because um, my chain is jammed, and it's jammed in between. The basically the bolt holes where that inner ring goes. <laughs> this is why that matters, <laughs> having that triple crank. Those little protrusions where the threads are that you thread that uh, inner ring uh, into, they do change the geometry somewhat, and my chain got jammed good between that and the bottom bracket shell. So eventually, I, now in... I hmm.
1: totally would have done this too, where I was like, well, this triple is kind of nerdy, so I'm just going to pull one of the chain rings off. <laughs> and it's going to be a double and that's better,
0: <laughs> but it's not, it's not how it works. Yeah. That wasn't, that wasn't a great idea as it turned out. Uh, <laughs> so I, I finally managed to yank the chain out and get it back on and, and start riding again. But then it's like every, I don't know, couple pedal revolutions, the chain just skips around horribly. I'm just like what the hell's going on what is what is this and it's like i can barely make progress and what it, it turned out to be the, what it, what had happened is i hit that chain so hard that i twisted a link so every time that link came back around uh it would jump like three gears uh, on the cassette in the back and like three gears back um so the bike was not very functional. I actually finished it. I don't I think I might have been lapped. <laughs> I don't know for sure. Uh but that was my first cross race. I was last. Dead last. <laughs> oh no, I might have been second to last. I actually might not have actually been last. I might have been second to last. Uh and I did not race cyclocross for two more years. <laughs>
1: uh, that's a that's a good story. That did not go well for you.
0: No, that didn't go great. Uh so that that's, you know, just to apply some balance to um the stories of Cyclocross glory you might have heard from me a year ago. <laughs> it's not as though I did my first cross race and uh just showed what an amazing talent <laughs> I was. No
1: one's fast off the couch, Greg.
0: It's true. No one's fast off the couch. <laughs> that's probably enough for one show. It's been an hour.
1: It's been an hour. We've been glad to have our listeners ride along with us for this hour.
0: Before we go, you know what? We didn't share this. Share this. Um, I, I do want to thank Ixnay.com. They're making this possible. We're going to close out the show by telling you about Ixnay. Um, I might tell you just two minutes about gravel racing after that, so you'll stick around because I think you should. Um, look, they sponsored us last time. They're sponsoring, again, this week.
1: And you'll find a link in the show description. So you will, can indeed. To it's ixnay.
0: ixnay.com will get you there. So, will ixnay.myshopify.com. And uh, what is ixnay? Well, it's really pretty simple. Uh, it's beautifully designed gear for your adventures. So, in, you'll find all kinds of stuff there. Um, they've got these awesome uh, Cats jerseys. They're doing a pre-order right now for more cat stuff. Uh, they've got various buffs. Uh, They've got those um, flaming couch patches and stickers we told you about. They've got cats, caps.
1: They have essential cyclocross apparel. Apparel finalia, I should say.
0: It's true. The cyclocross hat, the classic cyclocross hat and scarf. With the little pom-pom on the top. I mean, it's got to have the pom-pom. What good is it without the pom-pom?
1: I don't even know why someone could look themselves in the eye whether or not there's a mirror
0: involved if they're not wearing a hat with a pom pom. If you if you show up to a cross race in a cyclocross hat and it doesn't have a pom pom on it. Everyone's
1: gonna know yeah, that. It, you... you actually
0: are taking yourself too seriously at Way that. Way too seriously. Cyclocross calls for a pom pom and Ixnay has you covered.
1: Ixnay has got you they covered. They also have
0: well, okay, it's sold out right now. Hopefully it'll come back. Um But the Dirk Hoffman Motorhome scarf. <laughs> really? There's a, there's a deep cut for you Cross fans. Oh, uh, that's
1: excellent. Yeah,
0: yeah. It's well worth, uh, well worth looking into. NECX. NECX patch. Um, New England Cyclocross is what that stands for. Hashtag NECX. Uh, yeah, so, so head on over. Thanks to them. Um, you know, they really deserve your business because they make really cool stuff. Um, uh, I mean, like, in, in complete seriousness, uh, they've got such great design what like not even just because it's silly but because it's high quality design so check it out all right so that's that um since i did mention vogp vermont overland i did do that um do you want to hear uh do you want to hear the one minute version Bring it. i'm gonna be able to give you the 30 second version actually yeah
1: tell me about vermont overland
0: yeah so this is a gravel race um it's in the killington area of vermont um it's uh, I did it last year. It's like right before the cross season. Did it this year again. Yeah, show up to uh, the race. Uh, get kind of screwed on staging because it's like Grand Fondo start and it's like oh I went to the bathroom. Oh no, I'm like 200 people deep <laughs> in the line. Well, that's not good. Uh, and we start and the first hour and a half was awesome and I was like wow I'm climbing really really great like I'm I'm with the fast people I like it woo. Um, and then the second, like, hour and a half, two hours was really terrible, because I broke in half. I exploded, and I was being passed by, um, you know, old men, uh, babies, (laughs) (laughs) uh, (laughs) chipmunks. (laughs) The wheels came off the wagon. (laughs) That doesn't even begin to describe what happened. That is actually what
1: is meant by the term, like, a humbling experience.
0: It was humbling. I, I did not pace that correctly. Uh I really need to it was it was another entry in uh the saga of Greg is not really good at long longer events. Uh I think I need to adjust my training to account for that. I think I need to uh pump some iron. <laughs> I think I need you know, get stronger. My my triceps pretty much exploded. They didn't work anymore.
1: <laughs> Dude, weightlifting is awesome I think you should do it
0: I I do have to do it uh, The little bit of core work I've been doing Actually helped a lot in that Despite the fact that I was even more cracked Than I was last year I could still descend my bike Unlike last year uh, When my core muscles like totally shut down And I couldn't even get my butt out of the saddle Which was really horrifying Given the amount of high speed gravel downhills <laughs> There are in this race But this this year I was like Hey, I can still get my butt out of the saddle This is awesome <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: so I'm so impressed can... that
1: you were able to do this, even though you, that you weren't uh, riding a gravel bike.
0: Ah, uh, yeah, I did it on a cross bike. Crazy, huh? Yeah.
1: Well, of Works course, you know well. gravel bikes are the new thing.
0: They are the new thing. I'll have to get one someday when I'm independently wealthy. <laughs> can put it next to my fat bike. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know what. I don't know what the next big thing is going to be by the time I'm that wealthy. FSA
1: K-Force Wii.
0: Yeah, maybe. it'll be a water bike. It'll be like a bike with tires that like float on water somehow. Yeah. So, anyway, that was Vermont Overland. Basically, I'm going to change my training. I'm going to do longer things. I'm going to get good at road races. That's the plan. <laughs> Three-hour races. <gasps>
1: That's
0: the plan for next year, folks. That's the plan for next year, folks. Not to suck. <laughs> I'll get back to you on how that goes. Best wishes, best regards. Uh, all right, we got to wrap it up. We're over an hour. Yeah. Well, this has been the Honest Bicycle Program. I have been Greg. I've been Mattio. We thank you very, very much for listening. Once again, go to WideAnklePodium dot slash donate. Become a member. Um, you know, time is running out to take advantage of the membership promotion. This thing is probably it. Honestly, might come out on Thursday, so you've got like twenty four hours. So Hustle it get, up. Get going. Uh, and hey, you know, if you're listening to this and it's after September 2nd, um, become a member anyway. Yeah, just do it. Yeah, just do it. Do it. Just do it. It'll be fine. It'll be great. I'm a member. I have all this bonus content available. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time. Bye now. Bye.